Rewind. Hey, everybody. Dubs Weinblad here, host of the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. Can you believe we've been around for five seasons? Well, it's true. And to celebrate, we are throwing a can't-miss party, including a live interview recording, musical performances, and special guests, taking place in New York City on October 15th. For tickets and more information, head to www.thankyouforcomingout.com. But in the meantime, we are rewinding all the way back to our first ever episode with Lauren Patton. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm really excited to be here. Uh, we're recording during Pride Month, so I'm feeling extra gay. I don't know about you. Yes. Um, about five Prides ago, I started a queer improv show called Thank You for Coming Out, um, or TIFCO as we call it. Um, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. Um, during the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. So I know that we all have multiple coming out stories, and I'd love to hear one of yours. And who am I talking to? Our guest today is a dear friend of mine who I met because I tweeted at her during her run in the Broadway show Fun Home, Lauren Patton, pronouns she, her, hers. Lauren, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm so great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really happy that you're here, too. I, um, I thought immediately of you uh, being a guest on the show just because... I met you, it was fun, was it like three years ago? I guess, yeah, because did we meet 2016, I guess it was? Yeah. 2016, yeah, so three years ago, more. Great, well, happy anniversary-ish. Yay. (laughs) Friends-aversary. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, I would love to hear your coming out story. Yeah, so this is fun because, so I met you before I came out, Mm -hmm. and um, for me, I think... Around the time that I met you, so I had been in Fun Home, I'd been involved with Fun Home for about a year at that point, and I knew that I related a lot to uh, the lesbians I was spending time with and lesbian culture, and um, it felt really like that um, community felt really affirming to a lot of things that I'd always felt as a kid around my presentation and my identity. I was always very... um, sort of tomboyish and how I liked to dress and I never grew out of that necessarily and that all those sorts of things it felt very affirming to it um but I didn't uh I didn't see myself as a lesbian I had had um positive sexual experiences that were um opposite sex and uh heteronormative and I was like that feels right to me too um so by that time that I was meeting you, it was kind of like, yeah, that's who I am. And I relate a lot to this. And I think I had a joke for a long time where I was like 70, 30, I was like mm-hmm. 70% straight and 30% gay because I just also sort of felt, you know, for, I mean, I guess this is the best word. I kind of felt dikey, you know, <laughs> but I slept with men. Um, but, uh, yeah, then as time went on, I think spending more time, in that community, in other LGBTQIA communities, and just um, feeling more and more at home in those spaces, um, I started to discover more about myself and um, 
I dated a woman for the first time, and that also felt really right. And it took me a little while to know what that really meant. And um, now, since that experience, um, I, I feel like it's really was sort of like the last. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there was will be many more layers throughout my life around my identity that sort of peel away and then I understand more, but it was sort of like the last layer that peeled open of understanding my place in this community. Um, so now I identify as a queer bisexual woman and um, that feels like whenever I say that, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like that's it, you know? And that feels so um, right to me in a kind of... Um, uh, feels like it encompasses all the aspects of myself that I didn't necessarily know where they fit for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I came out when I dated this woman. I was like, hey, I'm dating this person. And I told my friends. And um, uh, and at the time, I also, um, shortly after, started developing this character in um, the upcoming musical Jagged Little Pill, this character Joe, who's um, a very queer character. And so um, I kind of knew that if I was going to be playing this character, um, I was going to be open about myself being queer and being part of the community because it didn't feel um, natural to me to feel like I needed to hide it, even though it was very new for me to understand that. So I guess for me, coming out felt um, simultaneous with the discovery in some ways because I was in a safe community with my friends here in New York and... Um, but then at that point, I started coming out to more people. And now at this point, I'm open about it publicly on social media and different things. And it's a part of um, who I am in my work and the activism that I do in tangent with my work. And yeah, so it's, it's I guess that's kind of, um, for me, my stories of my coming out is simultaneous with the discovery of it. Because it just, um, I guess, felt the most natural and made the most sense to me. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm curious. Well, I, so I know I remember because I tweeted at you to do thank you for coming out. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, I'm an ally, but mm -hmm. I would still love to do your show. And at that point, I hadn't ever done ally shows. Right. And so I was like, well, I have to. If someone from Broadway wants to come <laughs> do my show, I have to make this happen. So then that's how ally shows were born. Yes. Um, and I love that. I think it might have even just been a year later mm -hmm. where then you helped me co-produce the next Pride show, but right. you were out at that point. Right. And so then you like updated everybody. Yeah, I got show. to tell my coming out update. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, so I know you said that you, you came out um, like almost like as you were discovering this. So now when you think back on like childhood or when you think back in your teenage years, were there ever any things that you were like, oh, that actually probably was a little bit gay? Yeah, I mean, definitely, of course. <laughs> you know, I think I think with you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If you see, I think yeah. I see, um, I mean, for me, I think it has a lot to do, um, with self-understanding of identity and like presentation and the types and the things I like to do and the ways that I like to express myself more than sexual feelings. Mm -hmm. I think I look back at feelings that I had perhaps when I was like a teenager or like early adulthood where I see like, oh, I felt very drawn to this person and that probably had a sexual element, but I didn't see that because it was a woman, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I have those experiences. But when I look back as a kid, I think, um, I think that I always felt 
very uh, fluid in my presentation between masculine and feminine norms. And, um, you know, like beyond just being tomboyish, like I, I um, uh, felt very at home in presenting and, and doing activities that were prescribed as certain genders, mm-hmm. whether it was the gender that I was given at birth or the opposite gender, or, you know, like it wasn't, um, uh, that just kind of has always been what I've been like. And for me, I see it a lot in like my presentation with dress from the time that I was a young kid up until now, like my closet is crazy. I have like very femme dresses and heels and stuff like that. And sometimes I do makeup and everything. And then I have like, I often walk out of the house in clothes that are solely in men's sections from stores, you know, it's like, that's, um, so I think a lot of when I look back, I felt that way as a kid too, that I liked to do both always. And I think I always felt that that wasn't, that didn't, that made me like not normal as a woman, you Mm -hmm. know, um, and as a straight woman, um, that I was kind of like a little bit outside of that experience. And now understanding this about myself, like, I think that's what's so cool about for me, what the words bisexual and what the word queer means to words bisexual and queer mean to me is that um, it allows space for fluidity. Mm-hmm. And it really feels like that identity for me in this moment gives me space for all of those things that feel very truly part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gives me space to be able to move between those without feeling like I'm being other to my identity or being outside of my identity. Like it's just so encompassing in a way that feels really safe to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think back when I was little, like even starting at age, I don't I remember like at three, like mm-hmm. remember feeling really different. And yeah. I know that for me it was like sexual orientation was definitely part of that. Not that like wanted to like sleep with everybody. I was three. Right. But like, but you, you know, have, you know, that's, you have feelings as a yeah. kid. Yeah. Like, and I also would like see adults and be like, and like see couples and be like, I want a couple, but my couple is going to look different than that couple mm. and not really have the word for it. Right. Um, so I think language is so important to like be able to find your place, I think. And like, and then yeah. be able to live within those words that are your words, I think is really powerful. Yeah. And I think just like, I really think that for me, being being part of Fun Home was the first time that I was really around lesbians very much. I mean, I grew up in theater, but for me, I grew up around a lot of gay men who I loved and had great friendships with and stuff, but I didn't. I, I do, I have always felt um, at home in the identity as female as far as gender went, so I wasn't relating to them and their experience necessarily. Um, and being around lesbians for the first time I was like I saw a part of myself in that Mm -hmm. that I hadn't seen you know and I think so there is it's like language and it's also being able to spend time in a community um to be able to see like oh maybe there's parts of myself in that and these things that I felt and these things that I've identified with I that I I didn't really necessarily know what to call them what they might have been um yeah like that just opened me up to a new side of myself that I didn't quite understand yet so that is a perfect segue into your Ring of Keys moment. Mm. And for our listeners uh, who don't know what a Ring of Keys moment is, there's a moment in Fun Home. I actually think maybe maybe you want to describe what a Ring of Keys moment is just because that's your, yeah. your jam. Yeah. And, then, and then share your Ring of Keys moment. Sure. So um, Ring of Keys is a really pivotal song in the musical Fun Home. And um, Fun Home, for those of you who don't know, is uh, Alison Bechtel's story. Alison is an incredible um, graphic 
design, not graphic designer, graphic artist and novelist, and um, she tells her family story of her relationship with her father, um, who was a closeted gay man, and her relationship to him while coming out as a lesbian um, through the book Fun Home, which was turned into a musical. And there's this really beautiful moment in the show where the younger version of herself, um, who's maybe like eight or nine in the show, Mm -hmm. I believe, um, sees this very butch woman walk into a diner, this delivery woman who's like delivering packages. And... um, is like struck by the recognition that this young child has of like I see myself what I want to be in this person and so the young small Allison sings Ring of Keys um, uh, as this recognition number of how beautiful this person is to her because it's what she wants to be and what she feels inside of herself and the Ring of Keys is regarding to the uh, chain and ring of keys that this woman is wearing on her belt. Um, So, yeah, you know, it's funny because I don't... I wish that I had, like, a very succinct ring of keys moment where I was like, I saw this person and that was me and, like... But I I don't really because I think... um, I mean, I I think that it was... I never had a moment that struck me like that. I feel like it was a slow uncovering of a lot of little moments, a lot of little separate moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I never, you know, it's it's funny, but I never had that um, experience where I saw somebody and was like, I see myself in that. And maybe that has to do with the fact that I feel um, at home in multiple spaces as far as, you know, um, uh bisexuality goes but um yeah but I I think there was something to the experience as a whole of being part of Fun Home where um I was seeing creators producers and actors all in the space who were all um lesbian women who knew themselves very um uh assuredly and deeply and um I think that was really the beginning of things for me. And it was kind of like, I feel like Fun Home as an experience was like my Ring of Keys moment. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was like very meta, um, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think it gave me the space to, um, all those women involved in Fun Home, I think, gave me the space to see the parts of myself that I related to in them. Um, And... Yeah, from there, like, my understanding of my identity just really opened up. Um, yeah, so, like, the entire experience of Fun Home was <laughs> my ring of case moment. Amazing. <laughs> I, you know, I also, I've been thinking, I've been make, I've been uh, thinking about the answers to these questions for myself as well. Yeah. I don't, I think I also don't have, like, a moment, mm-hmm. but I have, like, I think because uh, I'm, I, den- I am genderqueer, and so mm-hmm. there aren't, until recently, there haven't been people in the media or really who are out who are right. saying that this is my identity. Right. And so I've had to like, like sew different moments together. And mm. so I have, I also don't have like a walk in the door moment of here's the thing. Right. But I remember even, did you ever see um, Boys Don't Cry? You know, I actually haven't seen it because I'm, I'm scared of it. Because <laughs> I'm scared of how hard it is to watch it. It is really hard to watch yeah. and I, I watched it um in high school for the first time and just remember I remember just crying just so 
heavily and my mm. friends were like why are you why is this hitting you so hard right. and I was like I don't know right and um not that I identify as a man I don't but and that's how Brandon you know Brandon was a man right. and and showed his story and right. but I just saw parts of me in him and and then that was scary that it was turned out the way that it turned out no spoilers uh, right but um so like, but like that was a really scary, almost like ring of keys moment of like, right. oh wow, this is what I have to, to look forward to. It's almost mm. like the opposite of a ring of keys, a square of, I don't know, <laughs> but like <laughs> it just you know, it, and no, it's true. I mean, I think that is that's part of it too. I mean, uh, unfortunately, but yeah. I think there are, you see, um, when you relate to things where you, you see um, queer people being, you know eviscerated in media from from like that to all the microaggressions and then to the other end of the scale which is being literally murdered for being who they are right um you know it is there there can be those experiences of like yeah i don't know just the way the feelings sit in your body too like you can just feel when something really resonates on a deep level even if you don't mentally understand why mm-hmm. yeah and like i think that that is that is part of experience too is is um, understanding through those really heinous things that you see in media too, unfortunately, you yeah. know, like this violence against the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I'm thinking of when I watched Orange is a New Black and mm. I saw Leah Delaria, mm-hmm. who is not a genderqueer character, no. but the way that she um, expresses herself mm-hmm. with like, she wore like boxer briefs mm-hmm. and, um, sports bras Mm -hmm. this was before i had top surgery i saw the scene and she like took off her clothes and she was in the sports bra and boxer briefs and it literally was like i can do that too Mm. i was like i needed to see it to have permission to know that it was okay to do that yeah so that to me that's another pivotal like moment for me of like oh i can do that yeah i can have i can wear boxers and a sports bra even if i'm not playing sports yeah (laughs) i can yeah it was i i had i've had moments like that kind of recently where, um, like, shopping in, quote, like, men's parts of the store for mm-hmm. the first time, um, you know, that that's felt so liberating to me because I think, um, I think also starting to, like, uh, when I was starting to play Joe in Jack the Little Pill, um, we went through some, like, costume fittings when we were preparing for the out-of-town production at ART in Cambridge and um, we knew that Joe had a very mask presentation um, but like the first round of costume fittings we tried on a lot of clothes that were um, from female sections mm. and it was like none of them were right like it just didn't it was like emulating like masculine presentation but it was just like no the way that it like tapers at the arm or like different mm-hmm. things it's just like cut boyfriend jeans exactly there's nothing wrong with boyfriend jeans no however very like big that's... difference for <laughs> yeah. men's jeans right exactly um, yes and then and then the next round of costume fittings was all clothes that were men's clothing and it was like oh that's it and for and for me i think i mean it's so much so much of my story is understanding my own identity through the art that i've been able to do mm-hmm. um and through my work uh getting to explore characters and seeing because when you explore characters you you know, you approach with deep amounts of empathy and really getting inside this person's experience. And so when you have that and you're like, ah, oh, this experience feels very at home in me, it's like mm-hmm. it, it, it opens up different parts of your identity. And so I think for me after that, I was like, 
I'm going to shop it. Like, I'm going to go to the first place I went to was Old Navy because I wanted some good rehearsal clothes. Navy is my jam. Yo. Yeah. They have some dope <laughs> clothes. Yeah, they And do. I got, um, yeah, I went to Old Navy and I got some men's t-shirts and I got some boxers and I got um, a pair of men's joggers, which like... Yo, anybody who does not shop in men's clothing and does not own a pair of joggers, they're the best thing in the world. I have like eight pairs they're from Old Navy. So good because for yeah. some reason in female parts of the stores, it's like either you're wearing like jeans or it's sweatpants. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's something in between. Can't there, can't they're called both? joggers <laughs> and they right. kind of look cool, but also they feel like you're wearing sweatpants. Mm-hmm. I digress. Um, but anyway, I bought these clothes for the first time and it was so, it felt so liberating. Um, to feel like it doesn't matter what part of the store I shop in. It's really arbitrary, and I can just wear the clothes on any given day that feel like me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think for me, like, using Leah Delaria on Orange is the New Black, for me it was, like, being in costume fittings and being like, I really like how these men's clothes look on me. Like, I want to wear this in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's, it is so cool how, um, you know, once you... Once you see it, how how liberating it can be. Yeah, it's like it's like constant like aha moments of like oh mm-hmm. this is a thing that that could be part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I know. I think back now. You said like hindsight is twenty twenty earlier of like all the improv that I did for I don't know eight years. Right. And I and now when I think back on it, when I would step out and just be like a normal character or like a, a without doing any kind of like voice or whatever mm-hmm. I was like in my mind this is a male character and everyone's reading me that way uh, but I, I wasn't conscious of it mm-hmm. but then anytime that I would play like a female character or a woman character I would put on a voice ah uh, yeah and then when I would look and then so then that's there so then when I would look back on that I'm like oh I did that mm-hmm. and like improv was such a cool place for me to be able to explore and in 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 such a safe space, yeah, where you could just I could just like it, everything I did was yes ended, which yeah. is just like so beautiful because there was no judgment attached and it was supported, right? And so it's really because um, you, you had mentioned um, finding yourself like through art and like through performance, yeah. And I think that that's so important to and it doesn't even have to be acting like singing or just painting any or just form any. of artistic expression, yeah. yeah. That's um. I mean, mentioning the yes and thing specifically about improv. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what's so cool to me when because I didn't know. Thank you for coming out the show before you tweeted at me and mm-hmm. we became friends. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that was so cool. The experience of seeing. Um, I mean, because it's really vulnerable. The people that you have telling their stories. I mean, I was a performer telling my story as an ally at the time, and then coming out too. But. Um, people who were not necessarily performers like getting on a stage and telling a bunch of people that they don't know how they came out and then seeing it go from there to a bunch of performers literally yes anding this person's coming out story it was just the coolest and most supportive experience it's so cool that's awesome so I remember when you um when we were trying to figure out what your stories would be because you were an ally I loved that you talked about um regardless of like your identity of like whether or not you're a part of the LGBTQ community, we all mm-hmm. have parts of our identity that we're trying to find and we all have struggles and we're mm-hmm. all in, I don't know if you actually said this, but you, the gist was like, we're all in a closet in some way that we're all like dealing with coming into our own. Yeah. And so I loved the way I loved how that like 
just is like a unifying theme of humanity. Of yeah. like we're all we're all in this together. Our struggles might look different, but we're all we're all struggling and we're all trying to do the best we can. Yeah, it really doesn't it's you know, obviously the the term coming out has become you know, pretty much solely, as far as I know, associated with the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. But um, but the actual concept of that, it's like nobody is born knowing their identity 100%, knowing exactly who they are, what they like, how they identify in different situations. I'd love to meet that person. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, please tell me what six-year-old is like. Right. You know, I mean, and it is, it's this funny, like, you know, everybody always asks kids. Everybody always asks kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's like the big, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know? And, uh, but like how, how many kids actually become what their answer was when they were six? And also like mm-hmm. that answer is also always usually so based on like occupation, which is such a generally small part of who you actually are, mm-hmm. um, depending on what your occupation is. But that's not, I mean... To, you know, we can we can have a whole podcast about like capitalism in the American society and how like that's a very American thing of like what's your job gonna be, mm-hmm. but um, but it, you, you know it's a process for any person to really actually discover who they are in this world. Some people don't discover who they are in this world and struggle with it for like years and years and years. Yeah. So that's not yeah that's not like an experience that. Um, only happens if you identify within this community and I think I don't know the more that I that I become part of this community find my place in this community and the more that I do activism with this within this community I find that um just like the need for for more unifying things of like whether or not you're in this community our experiences within this community are not that different from just general human experience like it's not it's all general human experience mm-hmm. it's not like this one thing that only a subset of people ever experience it just um as you were saying it's not going to look the same for everybody but mm-hmm. it doesn't look the same for everybody in the queer community too right. that's the thing is right. like you know we don't all have the same universal coming out story of understanding our identity within this community so it's like it's the same for anybody whether you feel part of this community or not like we all have extremely unique experiences of finding ourselves. Mm-hmm. um yeah and I guess I I was grappling with that you know as somebody who did not understand themselves as queer at the time that I was playing this lesbian character um but I but I always felt that within myself that it was um you know it was really just a story about finding yourself mm-hmm. and the joy of finding yourself you know yeah. Allison has um, again for anybody who hasn't seen the show or listened to the soundtrack um, Allison in college has this amazing song called Changing My Major which is when she um, it's right after she sleeps with a woman for the first time and it feels like it's this huge song of like understanding I'm smiling so big right now yeah but for those of you who can't see at home <laughs> yeah I love this song yeah I'm sorry to interrupt it's, you but it's such a good song <laughs> yeah. it's such a good song but that song I mean I got to sing that eight shows a week and it's just this the fear and confusion and excitement and joy of like understanding yourself in a new way for the first time you know um and for Allison, it was a sexual experience, and it was around her sexual identity. But 
you know, that's like that joy is such a universal human experience mm-hmm. um, that like, I don't know, just the, the absolute um, m- like this meld of incredible feelings that you get with, oh my God, I see myself for the, in a new way for the first time. I don't know. It just was like, that's anybody. That's just being a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all that is. It's just being a person, you know? Yeah. You said you sing it. You sang it eight times a week. Mm-hmm. I also sang it eight times a week, but in my home and <laughs> my shower. And you can ask you probably roommates. sang it more than eight times a week. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely did. So much of that. Now both of my my roommates at the time also have the song memorized. And great. So that's good times. <laughs> um, and then so yeah. So I remember um, after having top surgery, um, I had it. I was thirty. Oh gosh, time. What is time? Thirty one, I think. Mm-hmm. And looking in the mirror and actually seeing myself for the first time mm-hmm. 31 years into life yeah. is like wild to me to think that it took that long. Cause I remember staring in the mirror before mm. and like just crying and being like, who is this person? And like feeling confused and feeling sad mm. and trapped. Mm-hmm. And then, and then years between those feelings and then, you know, taking action and, and, affirming who I am Mm -hmm. feeling that euphoria of of seeing yourself for the first time is just is I I wish that upon everybody I wish everyone feels the euphoria of being yourself and it's like when you know what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be me like I want to be authentically me yes and like that to me is like the dream job yeah yeah I just want to be honest with myself and others you know Mm -hmm. that's all that I want yeah and then like beyond that I want to be I mean you know that's what I want and then for the world I want it to be safe to be honest with myself and others you know and I think that that's a lot of what the community is grappling with now Mm -hmm. and has been forever yeah Um, and even more so now though. yes but even more so now but it's it's something that I think about with it you know so we're recording during pride month it's 2019 it's the 50 year anniversary of Stonewall, you know, and, and that of course came out of this just like boiling anger and frustration with not being safe to be honest about who you are with yourself and others, you know? And, And it's like, that's still something that we're grappling with and it looks different today, but it's the same thing, you know? Same thing. Um, So, yeah, it's like it starts with I want to be honest with myself and others about who I am. And then I want to, I mean, I feel very lucky in the community that I'm in right now in New York City that I, for the most part, always feel safe being honest with myself and others um, in my particular identity. Mm -hmm. But, But, yeah, we're not in a place where that's just how it is for every person in this community in all over the world. Like, that's... That's where the work is to be done. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of, of um, just feeling safe and held in your mm-hmm. identities, when you came out to folks, yeah, how was it received? Like, were people excited? Were people, I don't know, what, what was your experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that for the most part, I had a pretty smooth experience coming out. Um, and I think that that was for a variety of reasons. Um, I think that uh, my friends, the people that I've surrounded myself with already, 
were either members of this community or people who um, are loving and open-minded and allies to this community. And so I feel that when I came out to friends, it was nothing but love and support, you know. Um, but also I think there was something for me of I had the experience of being read as gay or queer for a time, a period of time before I actually understood that for myself and came out. Um, you know, I had people in, you know, colleagues that I worked with and, like, friends and different things who thought that I was gay until I told them or were sort of, you know what I mean? Like, I, mean I did. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, and I'm a big part of that is because I was, I was playing gay roles, you yeah. know, and so that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, so I think that that somehow in some ways smoothed it because people already saw that that in me in some ways because of the work that I was doing and different things. Um, you know, and I, th I think that I, I, I did, I came out to my parents as well. And, um, because, you know, for me, as I mentioned before, knowing that I was going to talk about it in the context of my work, I didn't want my parents to find out in, you know, an article or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. so I did have conversations with them and they were pretty cool with it, you know, pretty supportive. I think, um, I think as time has gone on, though, and as I've really understood myself more clearly as um, not just a queer woman, but a bisexual queer woman, I think that what I've been learning and grappling with now is um, understanding that within both, like, straight and queer communities, there are some, like, assumptions around that and misunderstandings. Um and I've gotten that from family members. I've gotten that from friends. I've gotten that from people in work situations because, you know, for a lot of the time that I've had this identity um, and been out with it and understood it, um, I've been in a relationship with a man. And so um, that, I think, has been where I've noticed. And for me, it hasn't been, like, overt. It hasn't been super aggressive. But it's been um, something that I've noticed and felt of um, how I think what I'm thinking about is that like the both the beauty and the difficulty of the bisexual identity in mm -hmm. my experience mm -hmm. is that you have the fluidity to move within spaces which is like awesome particularly for me because I feel really comfortable in masculine and feminine co situ um, situations but also like um you know, opposite sex, same sex situations, all these different things that I feel like I love that I have an identity of and an understanding of myself that encompasses all those parts of me. But also because you can move through those spaces, it's like, it, it's very, I find it very rare that I'm actually like seen as my whole entire self. Mm -hmm. um, because in some situations I'm going to be read as straight and in some situations I'm going to be read as a lesbian woman and like, neither of those are true for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that since coming out, that's been the interesting thing. I haven't had any, you know, I've, I've had very, very few experiences of, like, you shouldn't have this identity, you know, or, like, discrimination in that way of, like, I will be actively, you know, cruel to you because of your identity. I've been pretty accepted. But beyond that, I think now that I've started to talk about it more, I've noticed that there's some sort of, like, really like you you actually identify that way or like that's you know like that kind of a and I've started to talk about it um either people sort of writing it off or people being 
worried about me talking about it. Like it's something I think this notion that it's like, well, particularly being with a man, I could pass, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, why would you want to talk about it? Why would you like make this a thing that you do when you could just like pass and like not and just have it be you know something that you know and like whatever right so that's what I think I've been grappling with since really coming out and that understanding has been more recent for me mm-hmm. I think it, I think the notion of passing is really interesting mm-hmm. because there's this assumption among so many people that that people want to pass right and want to be read as a straight or cisgender person right and I think about that all the time mm-hmm. and like no, that's not. I love. I love being read as queer, mm-hmm. and I mean, it also has its its downsides. Of, of course, you know, people are mean. To, they're mean to me, but they are. <laughs> yeah, uh, really? Some people are. Um, but I remember for the longest time not cutting my hair mm. because I could pass as straight, mm-hmm. and like, and which is a whole other issue of of like femme identities and, yep. and those being erased. Yeah. Um, but. I remember really struggling with cutting my hair because I wanted that security or that safety of being able to pass if I needed to. Yeah. But then once I cut it, that, again, that, like, liberated feeling of, like, oh, my God, it's not even worth needing to to have that security blanket. For me, at least, it was, like, I want to be able to, like, be in my own identity in this way. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's... Yeah, like, the term passing means, I think, also, like, very different things for people who are talking about passing sexuality-wise and people mm-hmm. who are passing with their gender identity. Totally. You know? Thanks for um, clarifying that. Y- yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, you know, and obviously my experience is with the sexual identity side of it. And mm-hmm. I think um, what I've come to realize as I grow as a person within this community and as I um, learn how to be um, an ally to all my friends in, these com- in this community you know, if somebody is wants to be able to pass for their security and safety, mm-hmm. it's like, cool. You know, 100%. like that is you Absolutely. have the right mm-hmm. to strive to pass and yeah. that is your choice and like that. Because obviously it's like you read the news and like people do get killed for having these identities. So it's like, sure. I understand, yeah. you know. It's like we're pretty early in June and there's already like five or six trans women who have been murdered in this area for being trans women. So it's like, if you want to pass, awesome. But like this pressure that you're not okay if you're not striving to pass. Right. Or that you're like wrong for not wanting to pass. It's like that's where it gets to a point where it's like it should be your individual choice. Because mm-hmm. for me, yeah, like no, I could I could totally pass as a straight woman right now. Um, and And, you know, it's like being very candid in this conversation there's parts of me that are scared about not trying to pass as a straight woman you know being somebody who is in media who's in a public eye kind of situation Mm -hmm. um you know those sort of like fears of oh well will I not get hired you know for straight women in roles like will somebody not believe that I can play straight um, will I be discriminated against in my career um, because I'm choosing to talk about this instead of choosing to pass, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think kind of similar to what you were saying about cutting your hair, for me, it would it just feels so unnatural to not talk about it, yeah. you know? And I think that 
part of it for me is that I've always had, um, in the time that I was a teenager, I did a production of Diary of Anne Frank when I was 14. And it was the first time that I really realized like how art can actually change people and help heal people. Mm-hmm. Like before that, I think I was on stage and I was like, it's really fun and I love to sing and dance and like I like it when people clap for me like typical <laughs> totally. like you know like narcissistic kid is like yes clap for me you and know also still me now so yes. everyone please clap for me right. <laughs> like please still love to be clapped for like let's be honest I'm still an actor like we know what's up but that was the first time that I realized like oh I can help people with this job it's not actually just like this is fun and I enjoy doing it and so I think since then I've always been very passionate about like is there activist work that I can do in conjunction with this job that I'm doing are there you know how can I connect with audience members about what they related to in the show how can I be of service beyond doing just doing my part but also um you know trying to go out into the world and talking about what the art means in a larger context of the world so for me having a career where in the most recent years I've been playing queer characters it would feel honestly like bonkers to me to not talk about it mm-hmm. when I'm playing for, you know, queer characters where I have like, it's in like the opportunity is handed to me to help this community that I am a part of, you know, and to mm-hmm. connect with people in this community to make people feel seen, you know? Um, so yeah, at a certain point it's like that fear is there, but it would just feel deeply, um, like a deep disservice to myself and what I want in my life and in my career and as a person in this world, you know, to just be like, yeah, I can pass. So I should do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always think about like, there's just so much privilege in like, in, in like even, even me who's, who is read as queer all the time, Mm -hmm. I still have so much more privilege than other people. And so it's like Mm -hmm. something that I grapple with too, of like, I'm marginalized, but also privileged. And like, how do I deal with both of those at the same time? Um, but I, I kind of, I want to not to cut that huge theme short, but I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit. It's kind of staying on the same topic of connecting with fans yeah and wanting to know like if is there like a significant moment either with um fun home or because um or and or jagged little pill Mm -hmm. i I mean i saw you uh in boston incredible Mm -hmm. and you're when you are singing one of your show stopping numbers you get a standing ovation mid-show every single show and so like people are resonating with you in this way that is like wild Mm -hmm. and so are, is it is it that particular moment that people are now I'm just leading you a little bit but is it like <laughs> that particular moment where people are resonating with you or what are you, what are you hearing after shows when people are talking to you I think um I think that after shows when I talk with people it's really um it's been a cool mix of both young people and also like people of all ages though I mean there is like there's a huge community of young people who go to see theater now and who are really starting to see themselves represented on stage you know and that's I first really discovered that with Fun Home of meeting young teenage women who just didn't expect to see themselves on stage yeah but also then like with Fun Home I was meeting women of all ages who had never seen themselves on stage Mm -hmm. I mean Fun Home was the first lesbian protagonist 
ever on Broadway, mm -hmm. the character of Allison. Like, there were lesbian characters on Broadway before, but never somebody who it was actually just a lesbian woman's story, mm -hmm. not an ancillary character. So that was huge. Um, and I think Jagged Little Pill, too, so many themes in that show resonate with people. And yeah. I think, like, particularly, you know, with Joe, though, I think um, there there is something, and I think particularly with the moment of You Ought to Know, which is you know, like, known as a classic breakup song. Mm -hmm. Still is. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's on my mix. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what it's become in the show, which is so exciting to me, is the moment of a queer character demanding to be seen mm -hmm. and to be heard. Because the experience of this character in the show is, like, you know, I think... Um, Joe comes off as pretty cool and knows what's up and is confident, but in reality, um, Joe's going through a lot yeah. and I think hasn't had a place to really express that before. And so when that moment comes up in the show, I think to me the most import important lyric in that song is, I'm here. It's the beginning of the chorus, I'm here. And I think that, to me, yeah. is the whole song, is just saying, like, you have to acknowledge me, and you have to see me. And so I think that moment, it, be, it kind of became um, that moment for audience members as well, of being seen in that way, um, and in such, like, this badass, like, amazing song. You know, I, I've listened to, to Jagged Little Pill and all the songs a million times, but I never, until you just now said, like, the chorus starts with, I'm here, mm -hmm. I never even really, like, thought about it. And, like, that's so real. Yeah. I mean, it's real because it is actually the lyric, but, like, wow. Right. Well, it <laughs> is. It's, it's you know, because the whole lyric is, and I'm here to remind you of the mess you left when you went away. So it's like when you think of the whole lyric, it's like, it feels like, yeah, break up. Like, look at what you did, you know? But... To like be a musical nerd for a sec, like there's a br the I don't know for me as an actor getting into that song, there is a break musically between I'm here mm -hmm. to remind you. So what it feels like acting that song, mm -hmm. and particularly with it being this like big moment of going into the chorus each time, it's really just a person like screaming I'm here. <laughs> you know, it's what it feels like every night that I sang it. Um, so yeah, that is what in the discovery of the rehearsal process became the song for me is, you know, sure, it, it, it comes about because my character's cheated on, but it's not, it transcends that. Mm -hmm. It's because uh, of not being seen. And I think that there's a lot of people, queer and not queer in that audience, who really felt that, you know, who, yeah. who have wanted to do that in their life to be able to demand that this person see them <laughs> you know whoever yeah. that person is for them um yeah so again a very specific queer story that transcends and is actually honestly just a human experience another you know like that's another big moment of that for me yeah i wish that i could get a standing ovation every time i just express myself really <laughs> like hard <laughs> like, ah! that would, like that's the other dream besides being myself authentically i know right <laughs> if only yeah <laughs> 
Um, so if you if you could like create your dream role, whether it's in theater, it's on the big screen, on the small screen, is that what TV is called? Yeah, small Oscar, I, the silver screen. I don't know. Oh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> the television. It's great. Uh, the uh, television set. Uh, what would it be? Man, you know, I always have a hard time with this because I. Um, so I do write. I'm a writer, but I'm I'm really bad at coming up with concepts. I'm really, like, I usually write nonfiction because I'm, I can see the story in life. But as far as, like, dreaming up characters, I'm always like, duh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I can't think of anything. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like my career the last few years, these incredible characters have kind of just, like, you know, come up for me where it's like, wow, I wouldn't have even, like, that wasn't what I was thinking of or dreaming of or whatever in that but, like, all I want to do now is play this person. Um, I don't know, dude. Okay. That's hard to That's, answer. That is fine. That's great. Cool. Um, <laughs> so is there someone, is there a favorite current queer person in the media that you're mm. like, you're awesome? Uh, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really living for Tessa Thompson and Janelle Monae. Mm -hmm. Their relationship right now is, like, the best. <laughs> awesome. I'm really, really living for that. But I think as far as, um, so like queer media that's really talking like actively about being queer. I mean, I'm obsessed with uh, Hannah Gabs Gatsby mm, yeah. and Nanette was so awesome. Mm -hmm. She has a new special coming out that I can't wait to come out. Um, uh, come uh, it's coming out. Yay. Get it? So, um, Thank you for coming out. But yeah, I think like, I mean, Nanette moved so many people, but that was... Um, I mean, I think what Hannah talks about is so much of what we've just been talking about of, like, living authentically. <laughs> like, what is that? You know, doing whatever it takes for you to feel that you can live authentically. I yeah. feel like that was what Nanette was all about. Mm -hmm. I almost just spoilered it, and I'm I'm glad I caught myself. Good job. Good Thanks. job. I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, that was a really... I almost turned it off. Because um, it was, like, you know, it was sold, quote-unquote, as stand-up special right and I was like I'm not laughing this yeah like this is really funny. not funny yeah and I'm really glad that I stuck it out to the end again I, was, I won't spoil it for everybody but you should definitely watch but it if you haven't definitely watch it right um what is the most epic would you rather question that you can think of mm. okay so I'm a big traveler, right? And I'm my next trip, I'm going to Guatemala soon, which I'm super stoked about. But so I was thinking about this, and I actually don't even know what my answer to this would be because it's tough. But I'm thinking, would you rather be able to travel anywhere you want in the world throughout your life, be like a big traveler, but never have like a permanent home of your own? Mm. Or would you rather have like your own personal permanent home that's your nesting space but never be able to go anywhere? Like never be able to travel anywhere? I mean, you have to answer. I'll answer it too. Yeah, you answer it first because I've been thinking about this and I'm like, I don't know. That's, it's, I almost, like I feel like I have to pick traveling mm. because it's just like being in the same place forever sounds really hard. Right. And but I get really messed up if I'm not, if I don't, like, get to be in my own space that I've nested in for a while. Like, mm -hmm. uh, when I first moved to New York, I lived out of a suitcase for, like, six months. Mm -hmm. And I, it was just, like, 
crazy. My brain was like, where is my house? I need a place that is just mine. I'm not moving to different sublets. Yeah. And that was only six months. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is a, it's that hard, is an right? epic question. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. think for me, I, I also would have to like caveat, like I'm traveling the world. Um, who's paying for it, right? I mean, I know like that's mm-hmm. not the point of a would you rather question, but of course I'm like going there. <laughs> also, like, is it safe for a trans person? Which like not, I mean, not to bring it back to that, but also that is always mm. on my mind of, like since I came out and mm-hmm. have, as a trans person, I haven't tra- traveled internationally because I'm scared because I don't know how I'm going to be received um, in other countries. And so if in your would you rather, I'm guaranteed safety and financial Yes, I think in this would you rather, definitely. That is an extremely good point. Thank you. Um, yeah, because I've, I've never had the experience of I've always traveled solo or I've traveled with um, male-identifying partners. So I've never had the experience of, I suppose, not being able to pass on trips before. Yeah, to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a really good point. But yes, I think in this would you rather world, it's like... Everything's ideal. Unlimited money. It doesn't cost anything. It's just like free to do everything in the world. Yeah. Um, that's the world That's I want, the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be me and live in that world. Yeah. I want to be me and never have to pay for anything ever. <laughs> oh, man. That really is the dream. Right? Okay. I am... Um, before I have a last like uh, rapid fire mm. section for you, but before yes. I do that, are there okay. any other burning things you want to talk about, or what do you? It's Pride Month, <sighs> and you know you're gearing up for Jagged Little Pill coming to Broadway soon. Woo! Yay! Yeah. Mm. What else is on your mind? Mm. I'm really stoked about this Pride Month. I'm really stoked about it because I I have participated in a couple of prides. Um, and last year I was doing Jagged around Pride and we did Boston Pride and it was so fun and it was my first time walking in a Pride parade and participating in Pride Month as an out queer person, you mm-hmm. know, which was really exciting. Totally. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there's something about this one being the 50, the 50 year anniversary of Stonewall and just like the history of it. I mean... It feels very exciting, and it also feels very heavy because mm-hmm. of how much work we still <laughs> and this still needs to be done for our safety. You know, yeah. because it is. I mean, it's very. I think it's very interesting to be remembering Stonewall, reflecting on Stonewall at this time where our rights are being actively taken away by this administration. You know, it's yeah. um, it's it feels heavy in a way too. That I mean. Like, I'm here for grappling with it. You know, I want to be present. And, um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's just, it, it's interesting to, I'm feeling both a lot of like excitement and elation at this Pride Month and also the heaviness of the reality of our situation right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel the same way. It, yeah. it just feels so relevant. Like more, this, this Pride feels... I think maybe because it's the 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. but also just because of what's going on, like you're, you mentioned, and yeah. like we're living, it just feels so current. Mm-hmm. And more, I feel like more current than other years. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really interesting, especially I think being in New York City, too, Yeah. just like being able to walk down to Stonewall or up wherever, depending on where you are. Right, yes. <laughs> or over. Um, <laughs> From Jersey. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like, it's, 
um, it's right. Like I'm, I really am like holding the tension between like feeling really proud and wanting to celebrate and Mm -hmm. also remembering like what, what Stonewall was. Right. And what pride really is like pride is, I mean, you know, because yeah, this feels very different than for instance, like the year after, um, with the Obama administration, it became legal to have same sex marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, like that was a very different vibe (laughs) of pride, you know, it was much more like in that celebratory mode but like stonewall and what pride is born out of is like it's a riot yeah it was a riot you know it was not like yay it was a violent (laughs) uprising against police brutality correct yeah yeah so that's like and i think i'm i'm connecting more with that this year because of you know the administration that we're dealing with right now um but yeah it is i i mean i i think i'm i also feel grateful to remember that particularly you know you were talking about privilege earlier and like totally something I grapple with as well because mm-hmm. I'm white I'm cis um in certain situations uh you know even as a person who openly talks about being queer I pass as straight so you know there is like definitely a level of privilege that I have 100% and so I think for me as a privileged person within this community I need to, I mean, I'm, I'm very committed to educating myself and also reminding myself about like what, a, what, yeah, like what this pride is born out of yeah. and, um, who actually started Stonewall, right. you know what I mean? Like all these things, um, which for those of you who don't know, trans women of color. So like, that's, you know, like what this movement is born out of who, um, put their lives on the line for this movement to begin, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess, like, that's that's been on my mind, just sort of feeling celebratory, feeling so excited, and also um, feeling a necessity to participate in Pride. Yeah. Be, like, you know, because this is, um, we have to use our voices in this moment in time very particularly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love when people use their platforms. To help other people. Yeah, I just, I, I think, like, you know, I, I remember one of the first people that I saw um, in media, not in queer media, but who was just, like, using a platform. I was a big Harry Potter nerd, still mm-hmm. am. So I remember when Emma Watson started working with the UN, I was mm-hmm. like, I want to do that. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's the coolest. Like, here's somebody who has a huge career, a huge name as an actor, as a fashion icon, as all these things. And yeah, like it's so easy to just be like, yep, I like do my job and I make my money and, you know, people know who I am and whatever. But to actually like then make the choice to go that step further and say, and I'm going to use all of that Mm -hmm. to work on gender equality and parity with the UN. It's like, my mind was blown, you know? And that's like, that's to me... Um, I have a much smaller platform than Emma Watson <laughs> at the moment, um, but uh, that's like, you know, I, I can't imagine not trying to use any type of platform that I have in any way. Also, like, just putting it out there, everybody has a platform of some yeah, kind, you know? For sure. Like, whether you have a bunch of Twitter followers and, like, are in media, it's like you, that is part of living authentically, is like you are using your experience as a way to connect to other people and it's like what you know even if you're not a media person 
living your authentic self, talking about it, it's like that's going to reach somebody else who maybe doesn't yet feel safe or seen to do that. And then cue someone else's ring of keys moment. Exactly. Right? To bring that full circle. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, you know how, I don't know if you do this, and I've actually never admitted this out loud to anybody before, so please keep this between you and me. Yeah, great. No one else will ever hear this. <laughs> yeah. Um, where I would, like, used to, like, you know, I don't know if you do this, but, like, negotiate with God or, like, mm-hmm. a higher being or spirit. Totally. And I'd be like, if you make me rich and give me a platform, I, like, pr- the reason I want it is to, like, help other people. And, right. like, I'm willing to, like, take the money. <laughs> like, if that's the, like, side, you know, like, yep. if that's the, like, consequence to this negotiation, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to do something good with it. Yeah. So, like, let's let's make a deal. Yeah, 100%. So, I love right? that. Of, like, if I must be rich as well. That's fine. I'll take it. Right. However, yeah. <laughs> no, it, I mean it is like I I think that you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of weird things about having a media platform as well and you know again like I don't have this enormous platform there, you know, extremely famous people that I have no idea what their life is like, but having some form of a platform because of my work in theater um there's weird stuff that comes with it too, you know, of like people who you don't know knowing who you are and like, you know, all these different things and being being more visible in your work in that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, all you know, there's parts of it where it's sort of like, ooh, I sort of miss, you know, being a more, quote, like normal person in some ways. But it is, it's like I will, I will take that so that I have an opportunity to help other people, to share my stories with other people, to elevate other people's stories who maybe don't have a platform to tell their story, you know, all these things. It's like I will, any, like, you know, whatever changes it makes to my life to have a platform, like, I, I would rather have that than and be able to do this work um, to help other people than to just not have it at all. Yeah. Another epic would you rather... Mm. The platform. The platform, would you rather? <laughs> oh, my God. That is epic. <laughs> All right. So um, I have some rapid-fire questions. Okay, cool. So just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Uh, writing or reading? Writing. Acting or singing? Acting. Dogs or cats? Cats. <laughs> Beach or mountains? Mm, mountains. Biking or running? Biking. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Train or plane? Ah, plane. Pants or shorts? Pants. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Uh, night or day? Day. Favorite dessert? <gasps> berries. I'm such a nerd. I'm sorry. Berries. I'm, I love berries. That is not what I was... I don't, know, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not berries. Yo, pro tip. Berries with milk. Sounds weird. It's like delicious. So hold on. Do you eat the berry and then take a swig or you put the berries in? No, it's like as if the berries were cereal, but they're not. They're berries. And then you pull. do you eat it with a spoon? Yeah. What kind of berries? Blueberries are real good with it. But wow. Also like, yeah. Does it turn the milk blue? Purple. Maybe blue? if you like, let it sit for a sec. But okay. <laughs> well, I used to like have the Hershey's had like a strawberry syrup that you could like make strawberry milk. Mm. That's not that, but it's not not no, that. No, but it's sort of like the Hershey's version, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Great. Word. Well, I really appreciate you, uh, and thank you for coming out. Oh my god, I'm so happy to. Yay! Yay! Um, are there okay? So, when does Jag a Little Pill 
uh, when do previews start? When can yes. we start? We can already buy tickets now. Is that yes, right? Yes, tickets are on sale. Great. Um, so Jagged Little Pill starts previews November 3rd. I believe I'm getting these dates right. And then we officially open December 5th. Awesome. So, but yeah, tickets are on sale right now. So you can get your tickets. Um, lots of good queer stories, but also just like an incredible musical dealing with a lot of the issues that our country is going through right now. Yeah. So a lot of themes that are relatable. Mm -hmm. So come see it. Yeah. Um, I also am, I feel guilty. I still don't have tickets. It's okay. I know you'll come. I trust you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I mean, I'll definitely be there, but I just... Like, You're not one of those friends that's like, oh my god, I'm totally gonna come, and then never comes. No, I'll definitely be there at least twice. Yeah. Probs more. My friend, if you know how to do anything, you know how to come out. <laughs> hey! Nice. Yes. I saw uh, Fun Home five times, just for everyone to know, because yes. I won the lottery five times. Yes. I'm a real winner. That is queer <laughs> representation. That's right. <laughs> and Lauren, what is your social media? Um, on both Instagram and Twitter, it's my last name and then my first name, at Pat and Lauren. Great. And we'll post about that, um, too. So in case you don't know how to spell either of those words, we got you. We got your back. <laughs> Thank you for coming out.